So there's been a lot of buzz about a modality called rest and how it's rethinking mental wellness. I am really happy to tell you that I was able to reach out to one of the creators of rest, Dr. Mitra Ray, and she agreed to be on our podcast. With over 30 years of experience, Dr. Ray has helped people achieve remarkable success in looking and feeling better. Dr. Ray received her Bachelor's of Science at Cornell University and her PhD from Stanford Medical School. She's the recipient of many National Institutes of Health grants and the Young Investigator Award from the Federation of American Societies in Experimental Biology. Her research has been published in such prestigious journals as Science, Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, and the Journal of Cell Biology. Audiences in four continents have enjoyed her award-winning books, audios, and lectures on health, beauty, brain function, and longevity. Her latest book, which I've read and it's great, Do You Have the Guts to Be Beautiful, was featured in Women's Health Magazine, going out to millions of readers, and it's available today on Amazon. So today we will hear Dr. Mitre talk to us about rest, what it is, how it's working, and how you can rethink your own mental wellness. There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Well, hello, Dr. Mitra Ray. I am so thrilled and honored that I get to sit down with you and share you with my community of BU. Everyone has heard me talking about rest and mentioning it on different occasions, and I'm excited that we get to dive into it today. First of all, we heard your bio, but tell us a little bit about you, anything you want to share that might not be in your bio, and what is rest? How did this come about? And just dig right into it with us. Great. Thanks, Jill. And first of all, I really appreciate you asking me to talk about rest. It's one of my favorite topics to talk about these days. So very happy to be here and share this with your audience. So rest has a long history. The part that's pertinent to my bio is that My friend, Dr. Cindy Scholz, who is the creator of the REST technology, is a neuroscientist that I met in a neuroscience lab back at Stanford, my first day on campus. And we became instant friends and we've been geeking out ever since. So we started out in a very famous neuroscience lab and we've always been interested in brain hacks and how to make the brain function better. And we've kind of led parallel lives after we finished our PhDs. I actually did a little bit more research at the University of Washington, but then she got into education and I got into also education, but educating the public and promoting health and nutrition. 
And she joined me in that business when I had some success. And then one day she was basically, she was doing really well in this business. Like right away, she started to do very well. But then one day she kind of freaked out because she was on the phone with a doctor who she was trying to recruit into this business, but her daughter was screaming at the door. And in that moment, she started to think, there's no way I can balance my business life with being a good mother. And she literally told this hot, hot prospect that she could no longer do business with him. And she was going to quit her business. And I think that she spent the next, you know, probably decade trying to figure out why her brain did did that to her. Why did she freak out like that? Why did she just quit something that was so lucrative and fun and something that was such a passion of hers? So that's kind of the origin story of rest is Cindy's curiosity. And then she learned neuro-emotional technique. Well, she became a medical hypnotherapist amongst other things. And then she learned neuro-emotional technique. Now that is a technology that was developed by some chiropractors over 30 years ago. And it is something that has gained some traction. They've done a lot of research. It's really fascinating. It was even mentioned on Gray's Anatomy. So that's kind of cool. So when she learned neuroemotional technique, I was her guinea pig. And I was glad to be her guinea pig because I had a very rough childhood. I'm a first-generation immigrant. You know, I, I was a, a woman in engi- electrical, you know, one of five women in 500 electrical engineering women at Cornell and then at Stanford, just just trying to be a woman in that world of science and medicine back in the day, I had some challenges. And even when I got into the business world, I just really didn't quite fit into the company that I was really promoting the products because I was I loved the products, but I didn't fit the mold. Let's put it that way. And this technology pretty much saved me, Jill. It kept me from quitting myself. And so over the years, I have sent people to Dr. Scholl's and said, you know, you got to talk to my friend, Cindy, whenever somebody had an issue. Long story short, a couple of years ago, she said, Cindy, or Cindy said to me, Mitra, I've done it. I've figured out how to do it virtually so people don't have to come to my office And I figured out how to teach it. And I'm going to teach you. So I said, sure, I'm in. Because I originally wanted to learn neuroemotional technique, but I wasn't about to go back to chiropractic school to learn it, if you know what I mean. (laughs) More than enough share of my education for, for one lifetime, I would say. So she taught me and my mind was blown. In fact, this technology has really helped me rewire my brain. But you know what? When it comes to brain plasticity and our ability to evolve and learn and change and grow, there's no limit, Jill. That's what's so exciting about this work. There's no limit. It's not just therapy. It's beyond therapy. It's about how you can expand and grow. And every time you hit your comfort zone, it's actually an emotional wall. And rest can have you leap over it in a single bound, basically, is how I explain it to people. So it's absolutely fascinating. There's so many things where rest applies from physical pain to emotional challenges, to traumas, to we try not to get clinical about it. When there's clinical cases, we it's an adjunct therapy. But as far as coaching for people in business or 
you know, a lot of young people, I've been working with a lot of young people. Every time I take on an executive coach, I that helps me sponsor a youth at risk, if you will, with COVID and the pandemic. A lot of people, a lot of kids are struggling about who they are and what does it mean? What does their future look like? And it's really so fulfilling to be able to help these children, young adults, I should say, and children kind of figure out, oh, they, they start to understand their emotions better and they and respect their emotions a little bit more. Because the biggest challenge that I see with rest, what it's really shown me is that we do not respect children having emotions. And children are very emotionally complex. We are born onto this planet with full emotional complexity, like an adult, even more so. It's almost like emotions on drugs because we have no logical filter and we have no way of processing our emotions. They just swell up within us. And so I tell people like, look, rest is not about whether you had a messed up childhood or not. Rest is about the fact you had a childhood. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Okay. So let me interject here. So I know you haven't heard the episode I did on head trash, but one thing we talk about in this community, we call ourselves BU Collective, and we're talking to women in particular about not just the the superficial, oh, be you, be yourself, you know, but discovering who that is beneath all of that, the head trash, the stories, the the lenses we're looking through that all comes from childhood. And one thing we talk about is people like me who did have a really messed up childhood don't realize that, as you just said, it's not about that. You had a childhood period. And so we've talked about the fact that every high-functioning person who had an amazing childhood still has shit. They still have these stories that they're looking through, and they're seeing every situation through this lens, and they don't realize it. And that's one reason I'm excited about rest because, gosh, I could, I won't, I could go on and on about my thoughts about this because I personally, I'll give my own experience. I was in talk therapy for years and years and years and years. And, you know, I think with every profession, you know, you've got the spectrum of people who are amazing at it and they keep up with the research and people that maybe don't. And I was with someone with two PhDs, highly respected. I still call him our family guru. And I did not get the results I was looking for because as much as I talked about it, I still couldn't get unstuck because those things were stuck in me, literally. And I tried one modality and I thought it was great. But when a friend introduced me to rest and explained to me, you know, this is something, speaking of the pandemic, I told her that my son was experiencing depression, which started during the first lockdown and, you know, isolated from his friends, et cetera, and also was dealing with some things with his birth dad. And she said, you know, I think rest could help. And he was open to it immediately because he didn't have to sit down and talk about his feelings and open up and talk about to a stranger. And not only did he not feel comfortable, many times they don't even know what's bothering them, right? There's just a symptom, like a trigger. And so maybe we could go into that, like explaining what do you actually do in a in a session? Because I've experienced one and I thought it was really great. What happens in a session and, and this rewiring you're talking about? And maybe use a hypothetical example of someone who they have triggers or blocks that they don't even know are linked to things from their childhood. Sure. And it really does kind of turn psychology on its head when I look at what happens with rest, because people have all kinds of theories about why they're feeling the way they're feeling. And I can promise you pretty much 100% of the time, people don't know why they're upset. They don't know the root cause. So I'll give you an example. 
There was somebody that I worked with recently who told me that she had a great upbringing. And often, even when it's not a great upbringing, we rewrite the story as if it was a great upbringing or whatever. It doesn't matter whether you think you have a great upbringing or not. She said, you know, I I am financially stressed. I'm really, I don't want to, I want to sign up for this course, but I'm afraid that it's going to put our family in financial stress again, but I really want to do the course. And I said, well, let's look at that. So we looked at it through rest's eyes and basically in a, in a setting, you don't have to relive some kind of trauma from childhood. That's the first thing I want to say. You do not relive a childhood trauma during a rest session. Basically, so if she's saying, I am concerned about spending this money, what we do is we see, we find a stress statement that shows that her body is uncomfortable. We basically use biofeedback. Like it's kind of like a lie detector. If you say something like, if I if I ask you to say, Jill, say, say my name is Jill, right? And you were hooked up to a lie detector, you would see that your physiology, your skin temperature wouldn't rise, your heart rate wouldn't rise, you wouldn't have changes in your physiology. But if I said, say my name is Charlie, then the lie detector changes changes in skin conductance, you know, and things like that. Your physiology literally changes. Well, we basically are trained to pick up those changes through, this is the part that might occur as woo-woo, but we absolutely test people to make sure they feel confident when they become a rest coach to muscle test people at a distance to see that they can actually accurately detect what is somebody's truth or not. And so we use this muscle testing to find out if a certain statement, let's say in the case of this woman, I would have her say something like, I'm okay with spending the money on this course, even if it brings my family financial stress. So obviously, she doesn't want to say a sentence like that. That's not her logical preference. But when I when she says that, I can detect her body gets weak. If she were in front of me and I told her to hold her hand out, arm out, I would detect that she would not be able to hold her arm out strong. We do remote muscle testing, which is not as crazy as it sounds. Anybody can learn to do it. And then we would look at what is the emotion associated with that, not to relive the emotion, but just... I say a bunch of words on on a piece of paper that I have as a rest coach, and I find the emotion that gets triggered. It's kind of like saying that statement is like a gateway to your subconscious mind. And now I'm kind of, as a rest coach, talking to your subconscious mind and testing where the trigger is. What is the emotion that your subconscious is being? Because that's where your emotional memory lives. Um, Because these memories, these early childhood memories are not Memories where you know uh, who, what, where, and when, it's just purely an emotional memory, okay? It's just a pure, like a bunch of emotions got triggered at a particular age. So in this particular scenario, now this happens a lot, we went back all the way to being in utero. So talk about, you know, whether you had a good upbringing or not, this was in utero. Turns out 40% of pregnancies, there's a twin who gets lost, okay? There's, There's two babies sometimes paternal, sometimes identical, it doesn't matter. One of them just doesn't make it. And they sometimes it happens earlier than even you see it in ultrasound and whatnot. So she had a lost twin. And whether you believe it or not, because you weren't, you know, you don't have a memory from being in utero, obviously, the really cool thing is that we then clear the emotions is that she had the same emotion of fear of loss from losing her twin in utero while she was in her mother's belly 
And then we clear the emotion and then we clear any other emotions that were attached in that moment. And then we test the statement again, like I'm okay to spend the money on this course, even if it brings my family financial stress. And she feels neutral about it. She can actually detect that she feels neutral about it. When she sleeps that night, that memory gets moved from the amygdala, which is really sort of the lizard part of the brain, to the hippocampus where it can no longer trigger you. So that we, I call it non-invasive laser-focused brain surgery. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's really what it is. We, we are literally, literally doing non-invasive brain surgery. And if we were to do an fMRI scan on you before and after, we would see, yes, your brain, the emotional part of your brain is firing differently before a rest session versus after a rest session. And I'm so glad you said that. So if people forgot, let me remind you that Mitra has a PhD. And I think it's important to say that just because when we hear something that doesn't make sense, right, in our logical mind, we're ready to pass it off and say, oh, there's no way, that's quote unquote crazy. But then now you just backed it up with, oh, and by the way, if I scanned your brain, you'd see it. And now all those people, you've gotten them back again now. They're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> now there's proof. And I, I love, and I know you and I both are Landmark graduates. And I love the line, you know, there's what you know, there's what you don't know, and then there's what you don't know that you don't know. And this is one of those things, everyone listening, that what if, right? There's what you don't know that you don't even know. So this, that's where this lives. And I, it's my favorite place to go. I love being surprised. I love not understanding how something works and still seeing results. And it's exciting that you also can actually see it in a scan. But so are you saying essentially that whatever these emotions are, it doesn't really matter for the healing part. What exactly happened? And if you remember who, what, when, and where, but they're locked in your body. They're locked in your, in the back of your brain. And then you're able to help them come to the front part of your brain so they can be healed and be, I'm using the word heal, but processed, right? Because they're not being processed. Yeah. The processing happens automatically. That's the really exciting part. There's no work involved. If you're the client, you're not sitting there like, oh, I have to like relive that fear. Da, da, da. You know, I hate that stuff. I don't have time for it. You know, it's kind of boom, 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 boom. And it's it's almost like, it's just like tick, 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 check that emotion, check that click. Okay. We process that. Okay. Because the adult brain is going to be the adult brain. See, you're bringing up this memory, even if you don't remember it, your subconscious remembers it. So your subconscious now is sending signals to your forebrain, your logical prefrontal cortex, and the prefrontal cortex has no, there's no work. It, it does what it does. It just processes it. It just goes, oh, that happened to you when you lost your twin in, in when you were in, as a baby in, in, in the belly. Okay, got it. Okay, now I can manage this information. Boom. So you're not having to do any of the work. The work is done by the plasticity of your own brain. We just have to like excavate. We don't need like a perfect rendition of what happened. I tell people, we're just going to come up with like a black and white sketch of what happened. Okay. That's all we need. We just need enough to go on so you can kind of imagine it just so we can figure out the emotions. And what's so cool, Jill, is the emotions that we see in that original event are exactly the same emotions that is today's stressor. So the emotional signature is the same. The, the, the same emotions you're feeling today from financial stress were the same emotions she felt when she lost her twin in her mother's belly. And then I start to see, say, now where else in your life 
if you look back now, might you remember that you had these same emotional, you know, that same emotional trigger. And then people start to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And because we yank it out, like we yank out that original memory, like a dandelion by its roots. And because of that, what happens is that every other, so everything that's happened in your life where the same emotional memory was triggered, it just strengthened that trigger. So to to go to talk therapy and talk about it over and over and over and over and over again, all it does is strengthen those neurons and make it easier for you to get triggered again. So we don't talk about it. We just go find it, snip, you know, nip it in the bud, get rid of it. And then it has a domino effect while you sleep. It literally changes your past because where do memories, where does the past live, Jill? Where does, where, where does the past live? In your mind. Right. So we are rewiring your mind. So we're rewriting your past. So you wake up a different person. You wake up a more capable, like you were talking about, you know, be you find the, we talk about, look, if you didn't have all this emotional clutter, you'd be amazed at how brilliant and beautiful and amazing you are. Yes. And that's the you. That's the That's real the you, you yeah. that we're trying to find. And you can't just find it clinking a champagne glass and saying women's empowerment doesn't freaking work. And that's the whole reason I started this podcast, because I'm all about that. And I know you are too. Let's empower each other. Let's support each other. Let's let's do affirmations. But it's way deeper than that. And what I love about this, a couple of things I was thinking of as you were talking. One, when you were talking about the way the brain works, what I think is interesting is that what those of us who are not trained in rest will do because I started doing it and I bet everyone listening and even in their first session will do is we start projecting our own idea on and our own reasoning onto the brain. We're adding when you said that the frontal lobe's like, no, I processed it done. And we're like, but wait, wait, <laughs> don't you need to think yeah. about that a little bit? <laughs> don't we yeah, need yeah, to analyze yeah. that just a little bit more? And we can't imagine too that the results can be that fast. And that's where the doubt can come in. So I I did participate in rest in that first session, I remember I don't even remember what we were talking about, but when she was reading the words off, I'll tell everyone listening that I, and I tend to be, I ask them, I'm intuitive and I also am very in tune with my body. And so I actually could feel it. We'll talk about woo, I know, but I could feel it. When she was reading it off, I knew that she was going to say, I'm going to make this up, but whatever one of the words is, tell me one of the words. Lack of control over events. Okay. So as she started to say it, I got this warm feeling in my chest. And, and then she goes, oh, it looks like that's it. And I'm like, I knew it. I could feel <laughs> it. And that was yeah. my body's my body confirming that this, it's just, I don't know. I just think it's so fascinating. And the other thing I was thinking about that I wanted to ask or mention that when you talked about ripping the dandelion out, I love that you talked about that because nothing happens by coincidence. You know that, Mitra. I know that. The episode that's airing right before this one is a solo episode of me talking about triggers. There's no, it's not a coincidence. It's perfectly aligned. It's going to go right into you explaining it, right, with a science background, what that means. And when you talked about ripping the dandelion out, my take I would like to add to everyone is that if Dr. Mitra or someone else, one of the other rest experts, is talking to you about one particular emotion, when she said, you become a better functioning, higher functioning person in general. I just want you to say that again, because it's all connected. Well, wait, that was just when I was five and I was standing by the pool and blah, blah, blah. it doesn't matter. That's why you feel that way when you're in a meeting. And that's why you, so one of my memories I'll, I shared in the episode on triggers that I'll share with you. I mean, it's very personal, but I'm an open book and I'm super transparent on this podcast. 
So my husband and I were having an argument, a really heated argument. And uh, I think it was about a year ago. And he did what he should have done, which is sometimes you need to create a healthy boundary. And you're like, I'm out of here. I need to just take a break, right? So he left. And when he drove off, I felt this panicked feeling. It was not healthy. I could tell it was irrational, but I didn't know how to control it. And as he drove away, it was like, <gasps> I felt like almost like I couldn't breathe. And I was like, why do I feel like a freaking five-year-old? What is going on with me? And I couldn't figure it out. And later, what I realized after, I don't know, 10 talk therapy sessions, I figured out that him leaving, it's a pretty obvious one, was triggering my sense of abandonment. But the thing that I realized as he and I talked about it was that it wasn't just triggering my feelings of abandonment as a child. I didn't realize until later that my oldest brother got married right after my parents' divorce, and he, quote unquote, abandoned me. That my second oldest brother couldn't handle living in the home with my new stepfather, and he walked out, and I begged him not to leave, and he, quote unquote, left me there. So it was another man who abandoned me, right? So here I was in a loving relationship, just having a fight, an argument, which was actually a healthy argument. And when my husband decided to take a break and walk out, I was then a child again being abandoned by every man in my life. So what I'm saying is I could have had that handled in probably one rest session. (laughs) Yes. And I would venture to say that if you haven't done a rest session, you haven't handled it yet. You can talk about it and you can understand it, but you haven't actually yanked that one out by the, by the roots. That dandelion is still going to grow back and come back. I want to get into a rest session right now with you. And when you said that, because people have these theories about it's because of this. And you talked about landmark. You know, it's so funny. The first time I did a session with Cindy, it was an issue that I thought I had handled in landmark education because landmark education is on the right track saying you're never upset about what you're upset about. You're upset about something that's being triggered from the past but they could only take you back to the memories that you have. And those memories go back, you know, maybe till you, maybe when you were six or seven, you start to remember things, but that's not the first time that happened. Turns out the first time it happened is something you don't remember. And that's the problem is because when we're little, when we're babies, we don't have a fully developed hippocampus. So our emotional memory centers are not fully developed And so these memories are what psychologists call implicit memories. They're not autobiographical memories where there's a kind of a who, what, where, and how. They're implicit, meaning you don't know who, what, where, and how. You just, it's a neuroemotional engram is what it's called. And it's living in the amygdala and the amygdala sits right on top of the brainstem. So what happens is Let's say today you get stressed. You get stressed, that actually changes your heart rate rhythm patterns, and that affects the vagus nerve. I'm I'm just getting into the geeky physiology of it here. That communicates from the heart through the vagus nerve into the amygdala, and the amygdala goes, oh, that I remember having this experience before, and the amygdala sits right on top of the brainstem, so the information flows down. And you have a physiological trigger like your husband leaving the house. You don't know why you're being triggered. You don't get it. And then your brain can start making up stories about it. Oh, it's because of my brother getting married and all these other things. 
great, but it, we're not getting to the first time you had that same emotional experience. Rest will get to the first time. And once you yank out that first time, then that memory that night moves from the amygdala to the hippocampus where it can never trigger your brainstem again. Oh, I love that you just said that. I feel like we could say it. We need to put that on a t-shirt. Never trigger <laughs> your brainstem again. But it's, <laughs> it's important, I think. I mean, I could sell the crap out of this, this whole program because what you're saying is, I know you know what you said, but I want to repeat it, that once it gets, I'm going to call it released, you don't have to deal with it again. It's done. Right. And it's not like that with any other type of therapy that I know of. You, as you said, you just keep sitting in it and revisiting it, revisiting it. And and you're right. I've intellectualized and become, quote unquote, so aware of so much in my life and in my past. Yet, I mean, just last night, my husband and I were having a conversation and I could feel emotions coming up. I'm like, what the F? Where is this coming mm. from? I've mm. worked through this. We've talked about this. You know, and it's it's coming from, and I had such a chaotic, unhappy, tumultuous childhood. I mean, and I compartmentalize so much of it. Like, it's crazy. Like, I don't try to sound rational and like, it doesn't bother me. It really doesn't. Like, I can talk about it like I'm talking about going to the grocery store, which is probably a little scary. But yesterday I did a little Facebook post because I thought it was fun to do like a little I'm going to list a few things about me. What do we have in common? Because I saw some other people doing that. And I thought, I don't get a lot of engagement in comments. I'm going to just try it and see who answers. And as I wrote it, Mitra, I wrote on there. And again, there's nothing bad or wrong about it. But I wrote that between sixth grade and 12th grade, I moved five times in seven years. But I said it like I talked about, I also had Cheerios for breakfast because mm -hmm. I thought it was mm -hmm. interesting. My husband goes, no, I think it was my son. He said, Ma. You moved five times in seven years during middle and high school, which is like the worst time in your life, in anyone's life, but in my life too. And I said, yeah. And then I justified it. And I said, well, it's not like I moved out of state or something. So I'm sure I have about 100 sessions <laughs> that I could use. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like you, exactly like that. Like we figure out how to survive by being tough or having a little bit of like, Okay, we just compartmentalize and just go, okay, I know I'm I know that part of me is a little messed up, but I don't have time for that right now because I got work to do, right? And we just kind of push on and push through and keep going. However, what is the point of living if you can't like be fully expressed? More importantly, what I love is, you know, we we talk about, you know, that quote about a diamond is just a piece of charcoal that has handled stress really well. We want to we want to bring out the diamond in you through rest. Like we can show you that you could experience the worst, most awful thing in the world. I'll give you, I'll give you another example. If you take a PTSD patient, right? Let's say somebody's seen their friend get blown up in a war, right? Some of the therapy, just even hypnosis, and there's really good hypnosis. I don't want to say all, all these therapies are all terrible. I'm not trying to say that. I'm saying that when you have that soldier relive that memory through hypnosis or other therapies where they're experiencing it over and over and over again, I am very much against that because we don't need to suffer through that one more time. Nobody needs to suffer through something they already suffered through once, right? And for that soldier, what I will say, it is not the friend that got blown up that is the actual issue. That 
event triggered some other loss mm. early, early in life. Like maybe their pacifier was taken away. And maybe the soldier, you know, it might seem wimpy to work on having your pacifier taken away because the soldier who's who you saw get blown up seems like a much more serious episode to focus on. But that's not the therapy. The therapy is to find the original event. So like, let's say you're, you know, as an adult, you think, oh, it's time to get rid of the pacifier. I had one of my children use pacifiers and it, it was hard for me to help her try to figure out how to not use the pacifier. And if that emotional, like for, from an adult's perspective, that is not a traumatic childhood event to take somebody's pacifier away. But for the child, you've just changed their world. Yeah. Yeah. You've just turned their world upside down. Right. And then later, somebody else takes away a toy and the same emotional memory gets triggered and it strengthens, you know, neurons that fire together, wire together. And then another, you know, then they lose a boyfriend in high school. Then they lose getting admitted into the college. Like they lose something. They lose an opportunity to excel, like maybe go to the college of their choice. Then they lose a job. Then they get divorced. And by the time they get divorced, they are a basket case and they're blaming their husband and they're blaming the world and they're blaming everything else and the children, da, 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 the financial situation. They're justifying why they're so miserable. And it's about the pacifier. It's, see, that's the part I wasn't getting. I get what you're saying now. I get it. When you use the example of war, I didn't get that you is actually triggering emotions from the past. Yes. So as we wrap this up, which I don't want to, but as we do, one thing I'm wondering if we could talk about just for a minute is how it also creates health issues. Because if you're not releasing these uh, emotions. I know there's a book I highly recommend to people. It's an old, old book, The Body Keeps the Score. Maybe just talk about that because I know you're also an expert in health and wellness. If someone says, oh, I had a great life. I don't really, don't feel stressed. I don't really care if someone took my pacifier away, but they don't understand that those emotions being locked in their body and not processing them can lead to cancer, can lead to other things. And, and I know about your background in cancer research, but maybe let them know your thoughts on that. Yes, sure. Uh, in fact, I was working with somebody and, you know, I can give people really great nutritional advice. And I know what I'm talking about when it comes to, you know, diet and what kind of things one needs to do to take care of your body through what you put in your mouth. However, having rest is a game changer because now I'm, now I can also release those emotional blocks. Like I had a friend recently that I saw and I almost didn't recognize her. And I just said, what happened to you? And she said, Mitra, do you remember when we worked on the fact, and, and, I'm, and this is not a cancer situation, but it just triggered me on, on thinking about this story. She said, do you remember when we worked on my stress statement that I'm okay to be the fat kid in the classroom? And we did the session. And then you told me that when it comes to the physical body, you're not going to feel changes overnight, but we're going to release that emotions. And the body is the slowest to change because it's, it's the physiology of all the cells has to, like, you kind of have to make all new cells. So that takes time. And she said, well, the time has come. I am now able to finally, after a lifetime of not being able to lose weight, thinking I had this autoimmune disease that was going to dominate me for the rest of my life. I am not that person anymore. And she physically looked like she not, she, not only had she lost 22 pounds, she was glowing. She was like, I got to go. I mean, here's another thing, Jill. I wasn't even trying to give up alcohol, okay? And from 
teaching other people rest. We do a lot of rest during our workshops. When we're working with other people, we do a lot of trades. I did so many rest sessions back to back to back to back to back that I released so much stress that I didn't even know that I didn't even know that I had in my body. I just stopped drinking and it was no effort. It's not like I want a glass of wine, but I'm trying to be good. I don't even like the taste of alcohol anymore. And I look back and I go, why was I ever drinking in the first place? Now, I'm not saying that those people that really don't want to give up their wine, trust me, you don't have to give up your wine. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I noticed how much I was self-medicating to deal with. I had a similar childhood as you. I and you know, I left the country that I was born in. I didn't realize all these things that had happened to me that I just said, I don't know, I'm a tough kid. I'm I I'm I'm good. I I, you know, I'm unstoppable. I I just keep going. But I didn't realize how I kept going, how I was surviving instead of just actually shining like the person that I'm joyful, that I wake up and I'm joyful. Mm -hmm. You know, how Mm -hmm. many people wake up saying that they're joyful? Mm -hmm. I have a tattoo on my arm that says powerful, joyful, free. And that's, I think about, maybe it's been five years now that I wrote that as a contract for my life. And I always joke that when I'm being an asshole, I look at my arm and remind myself (laughs) that I'm powerful, joyful, and free. But even though that's my contract, I've offered that to everyone in this BU Collective. Like That applies to everyone. Imagine if everyone could be powerful, joyful, and free totally free. And I know that's what you're helping people do. That's our true nature. That's the fun it is. part. Is it that is. When you start to peel away all the layers of the onions of, you know, the stress onion, if you will, then what's inside is you're going to discover this person that you're, you're going to fall in love with yourself again. Mm, I love it. I love what you're doing. I love what your whole organization and company is doing. I, I really appreciate you spending time talking to us. And I'm excited too, that we're having this conversation because so many women are hungry to really learn more and they don't really know where to look. And I'm excited to be a conduit for that because as you said, this is not only is that who we really are, everybody deserves to live that way, no matter your childhood, no matter your circumstances. And I know that that's possible. Just today I was having a conversation with a coach. I've never had a coach before and I just hired a coach. And she said, is that something that human Jill would say or goddess Jill? And even to the word goddess like triggers people. Oh, I couldn't be a goddess, you know? And she's like, really think about that. You know, what you just said is not something goddess Jill would say. And, and I would say, well, I'm becoming goddess Jill. And of course, what she would say, which she should say is, no, you are. That's who you are. You've just convinced yourself that you're not. And I'm excited to see what happens when women decide to go on this path with rest. And I hope those of you listening, when you do, I really hope you message me and message me on Instagram, find me and tell me, you know, what your experience has been. And we'll, we'll share those stories with people. So thank you, Dr. Mitra Ray for joining us and for everything you're doing. Oh, you're so welcome. My pleasure. And I hope people really take advantage of this technology because it exists. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me on BU. I know there was something in this episode you were meant to hear. So let me know in a DM on Instagram at Jill Herman BU. Be sure to subscribe to the BU podcast. And if you have iTunes, I would so appreciate you rating the podcast and leaving a comment with your biggest aha or takeaway. 
Sharing a screenshot of this episode on your story is the best way for us to reach women just like you. And if you send a link to a friend, let her know what unique quality she has that the world needs more of. If this is your first visit, welcome to our BU Collective, where we get honest about what it takes to find our true self so we can set her free and start living.